I'm Martin Shipton, Chief Reporter of Media Wales, and you're listening to my podcast, Martin Shipton Meets. Martin Shipton, and today I'm with Jack Sargent, who's the Labour Assembly Member for Allen and Deeside. Jack, obviously you came into elected politics in extremely tragic and very strange circumstances. But before we talk about that, let's go back to your roots. How far back in Allen and Deeside is your family? We've been in Allen and Deeside as long as I can remember, really. Certainly the surrounding area, um, right back through my, my mum's side of the family, um, and right back to, to, to dad's side of the family as well. Um, they, they both grew up in Connors Quay, um, just around the corner from where we live now. So, you know, we've been there for, for many, many years, and I, I look forward to living there for many more years to come, really. So it's obviously one of those places which is on the border, or very close to the border with England. How Welsh did you feel when you were a child? I'm a, I'm a proud Welshman and I always remember supporting uh, Gary Speed and uh, Ryan Giggs and the uh, football rugby's not as uh, big in, in North East Wales as it is in many other places but certainly uh, through football I, I was uh, a proud Welshman and I supported them uh, right through many uh, sad campaigns. It got a little bit better towards the uh, later years in, in, in my uh, life but no, uh, we are right on the border and we have some great close links to, to Chester and, and many places but uh, we are still uh, as proud as uh, Welsh people as we are here in Cardiff and, and surrounding uh, the whole of Wales. Because what sometimes people say is that places like where you're from, Connors Quay, Shotton, uh, have got much greater links with the north west of England and not so many links with South Wales and I think you'd probably find maybe that a re- reasonably high proportion of the people in your constituency had never been to Cardiff. Do you do you come across that? Yes, you do. And that was one of the things that came across on the doorstep, actually, during the, the, the campaign last year. And you, you do get that. And, and it's good that we do have the links with, with the northwest of England. I think we should continue those links. I, I believe it's somewhere in the region of around 20,000 jobs and people each day cross the border. We go from Wales to England and, and England come across to, to Wales and that's absolutely fantastic and, and I do sense a, a, a north-south divide, if you like, but you know, recently I've been very pleased to see uh, Mark Drakeford under his new government um, appoint a, a cabinet member, uh, Kent Skates, as a North Wales minister with the responsibilities of a, a cabinet member to have the voice for North Wales and I think that's a positive step forward um, for the whole of North Wales, not just um, Alan Deeside. So... Taking you back to your childhood again, how conscious were you of politics when you were a young lad? Yeah, well, You're still a young lad now, <laughs> of course, but an even younger lad as a yes, child. Yes, politics has been in the family, obviously dad, since I was a very young in, in um, primary school, um, was a member of Conniskey Town Council, an unpaid role which he, he, he took up uh, and become chairman of that council uh, before going into this role as an assembly member uh, and later on into to play an important role within the Welsh Government. So uh, it's been part of my life growing up, um, and we've had a very, very heavy focus on on politics within the family. Not to say that's what we spoke about all the time, because when Dad come home, I think I've said before, when he come home, he was just Dad. He wasn't Minister or, or Assembly Member, he was, he was simply Dad. But no, politics does go back, and it goes further than that um, towards my, my mum's side, 
uh, and my my granddad Jim, who was a, a very very heavy supporter um, of the Labour Party for very many years, uh, and he actually got dad involved with the with politics um, some years later on, and, and and that's where it started really to to get more official. Because where did your dad used to work before he got involved in politics? Yes, he uh, he was a, a chemical firefighter in Warwick International, so just uh, across the the constituent border in Delling. Um, he was an industrial firefighter at a chemical plant. He often finished his night shifts and went on to DJ um, at a, a local party or even moving into the, the Wirral and the, towards Birkenhead. He, he sometimes used to do Saturday nights there. So, um, yeah, he, he spent his time between um, town council, 12-hour night shifts and, and DJing as well. And as your education progressed... I think you found yourself gravitating towards what was going to be your career, which started off as being your career in engineering. How did that come about? Engineering and manufacturing is a, a generally a big part of Allen and Deeside, and I, I think we, we look back as far as, as shot and steel and, and you know what happened um, around the events, what happened surrounding shot and steel was devastating to the area. Um, but now we, we do have more industry links with Airbus um, and various places, Toyota, Tartar Steel are still uh, very much heavily involved in the area. So it was that passion for industry, but also I, I studied uh, engineering during my GCSEs, and that had the links with the, the college and also industry as well. And, and I think it was that industry link that really geared me towards um, going down that route and seeing the benefits of that. So I started my career as an apprentice engineer with a local company and, and colleague Cambria in, in Deeside, and I did that for, for the full apprenticeship, um, moved on to successfully gain my degree with the company part-time. Uh, and, and just before um, entering politics, I actually moved to a, another local firm um, with a global output, really, in the automotive sector. And was studying my um, MBA at that time uh, with their help as well. So now I was a, an engineer by trade. I always had a, 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 a laugh and a joke with Dad uh, about one day taking his job because all you know, politics was uh, something I was deeply interested in, but I never thought, obviously, I'd be going into it uh, this early under these circumstances, but I'm, I'm extremely proud um, that I made that decision and, and that the people of Alan Deeside supported me with that. So, uh, at the time when your dad died, it was really an exceptionally sad time for everyone, uh, for no one more than for you and your mother and sister. But how quickly after he died did you actually think in terms of becoming a politician yourself and actually going for the by-election? Well, um, you can imagine that time was um, a difficult time and it's something I, I, I don't wish upon anyone, um, really. But it's a, a maze goes on, it's, it's a blur. Uh, although I can remember the, the, the day itself and, and the few days afterwards... 100% clearly, but it is a maze. But I do remember, actually, on the day, um, someone someone mentioned in that, and I said, no, no, you know, we've got we've got more important stuff. We've got family um, to look after and deal with. But later on, I was thinking about it, um, and there's a couple of reasons behind it, really. One was, you know, I wanted to continue the legacy, Dad's legacy, and, and the hard work that he'd done for the people of Allen and Deeside, but the people of Wales as well done a tremendous amount of hard work and some great work as well. Two, I wanted to try to repay the community um, for their love and kindness in any way I could and I felt this would be a, a good way 
um, of showing that uh, and continuing that work that and love that Dad gave them, like they gave us, uh, in 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 this type of way. And you know, it wasn't just about that. When I was making my decision, it was a well, with the family to say, should I do this? Should I not? And and I was glad to have the support of of Mum and, and Lucy, and the support ever since. I was going in with the idea, if I do this, I do want to carry on Dad's legacy. I do want to repay um, the community for what they've done for us. But also, I want to make it my own. Um, I'm going in there as Jack, um, not as Carl's son. Um, and I go in there with my own ideas, um, a young, fresh voice with a different outlook, perhaps to what the Assembly's maybe ever seen before or certainly hasn't seen in a, a long time. Because one of the points that is sometimes made is that young people uh, don't have the experience to be able to become elected politicians and then they point uh, those critics who say things like that at the trajectory which often happens which is that people go to university they study politics they come out they work for uh, an assembly member an MP and then they become an elected person themselves not having done any work outside politics but that charge can't be leveled at you can it because while you are young and what are you now 25 is it Uh, 25 uh, next month 25 next month there we are while you're 25 you have got that experience of having worked in industry how important in terms of the job that you're doing now do you think it is that you didn't go that increasingly obvious route of working as a researcher studying politics and all that stuff and instead actually literally getting your hands dirty as an engineer (laughs) i think the if you like traditional route of getting into politics still needs to remain and we still need to have that traditional route through university but i do think we need more people we're very good in wales to have a diverse um range of women involved in politics and that's great Um, but i think we need to see that diversity in age as well so youth is just a number for me you can be young you can still have ideas but coming from industry as well I think that gives you a different outlook on, on life um, and as you say rightly getting your hands dirty I, I spent you know eight hour shifts and plus overtime on a lathe every day um, and Saturdays and Sundays as well so it was literally um, getting your hands covered in oil and getting them dirty but that was a lesson that dad always taught me as well he said the best uh, politics lesson he had was trying to get someone to, to cover your 12 hour night shift on a Saturday night. So he learnt it, it that way and, and I certainly picked up um, that during my time in industry. In the campaign I, I ran, ran a line which I still believe in today which was offering real life solutions for real life people based on real life experiences um, and I think that's something that can go a long way um, in politics, in public life and again I think going back to age, if you just look what's happened in America um, with a, a Casio cortez in New York this time last year she was working behind a bar, and now she's the youngest member of Congress as well, and the youngest woman member ever. So I think that's a, a great achievement, and it's not just happening here in Wales, but it's actually happening um, across the globe. And also, I think it's undoubtedly a fact that while the issue about youth is a, is a well-made point... There's also a lack of diversity at the Assembly, one might say, in terms of class. Now, you would probably identify yourself as a working-class lad, would you? Absolutely. Because there are not many working-class politicians around anymore, are there? I was recently reading a book, actually, which goes into this question in quite some detail and uh, contrasts the proportion of Labour MPs 
who some decades ago could legitimately claim to be working class with the situation today where the great majority of them are people who have come from middle class backgrounds and who have done middle class jobs. But you, like your dad, it has to be said, could legitimately be described as a working class politician. And sometimes I think I get this sense myself that working class people have been excluded from power structures. Do, do, you, do you get that sense? I think that could be well noted. And there certainly is a need for, for more working class people coming into to, to public life and, and standing up for those um, people in, in, in public life as well. Because you should never forget where you come from. I certainly think that. That was something I was um, always led to believe. And I think it's something that Dad stuck to right the way through um, his time, now however high up he got. In, into politics and, and you know we're talking senior positions within the Welsh Government Cabinet but he always remembered where he came from and I think that's an important lesson. Perhaps some people can forget that when they go into to power structures but no there should be a, a, a place on the table for everyone no matter where you come from, no matter who you are, there should be that um, place on the table to get your voice across and simply you know go back to that age-old lesson, it's look after each other, look after your neighbour um, and, and treat each other with how you want to be treated and, and just generally a place and a voice for everyone because everyone deserves a voice no matter how old you are and and no matter who you are. One of the significant messages that you've tried to get across uh, during your year now is since you uh, won that by-election is the need for a kinder form of politics Uh, and yet you know one might say perhaps quite cynically you're swimming against the tide because the forces that were unleashed by Brexit have led to the most bitter kind of politics that Britain has seen for many, many, many years. So are you swimming against the tide when you're saying to people, be kinder to each other? Because while everyone is going to agree with that in theory, in terms of the way in which people actually behave, uh, there's an awful lot of extreme nastiness around, isn't there? 100% agree with that. and We are swimming against the tide, no doubt about that. But I think the most important thing we, we take from that is we've started swimming. Before um, this call for a, for a kind of politics, since last November really, um, from myself and, and many others cross-party have joined in with that call. A lot of people have, have mentioned it and supported it, but we're yet to see a, a full movement towards it. However, I am pleased to, to, to see an exchange earlier between Mark Drakeford, our new First Minister, great leader of the Welsh Labour Party, and, and Paul Davis, the leader of the opposition, a Conservative Assembly member, during First Minister's questions, engaged in a, in a debate which was done in a respectful way, which was done in a, a cross-party, real um, atmosphere to support the people of Wales. And I actually think that was a real significant moment within the Assembly Chamber between those two senior politicians that you know will help us pave the way towards this kind of politics um, and kindness in life and kindness in general, because... We can make a difference um, and we can implement kindness into our public policy making uh, and that's what our end goal should be. Um, you know, Going back to that lesson, again, treat each other with respect and, and treat each other how you want to be treated. That's a lesson I learned in school. I'm sure many of us did. Um, so let's put our money where the mouth is. We can all say it. Let's go and do it now. Let's go and achieve um, a kind of politics uh, and uh, make Wales a, a globally renowned for it. In terms of Brexit... I know that outside Wales, 
there was a lot of amusement about why Wales as a country voted to leave the EU, particularly given the very large sums of money that have come from the EU into Wales. But looking at your area, Flintshire, of course, Airbus at Broughton is the industrial plant which has received actually more um, state aid than any other single plant in Wales. And yet the people of Flintshire voted leave. How do you account for that? You know, I always think the, the, the Remain campaign could have been a lot better. I voted Remain, as uh, I think everyone is well aware of that. And people in, within Flintshire, within Alan Deese, I did vote to leave. Now, I can't speak for them directly, but what I can say, referring to Airbus, um, is that you've seen the, the threats over the last couple of weeks that Airbus have made and, and the real warnings that Airbus have made. Yes, um, they've received a huge amount of resource from the EU, and it's benefited Wales and the UK tremendously, I think. But this threat that they've made recently um, about a no-deal Brexit, which will be disastrous in, in my eyes and many other people's eyes for the whole of the UK and the EU themselves, um, is, a, is a warning. Um, and, and there's no doubt why Airbus have made that. You know, they, they have had this um, sums of money from the EU and they need a deal to keep going and we need those jobs to keep going. I, I referred to um, Tartar Steel and the Shot and Steel Works closer back in the, the 80s at, at the start of this um, podcast and, and if that happens to Airbus... Um, and many of the people surrounding Airbus locally, it will be disastrous. And we fundamentally just can't let that happen. So I've been lobbying um, Alan Cairns and, and the Secretary of State for Wales to, to, to push this, and I'm hoping to uh, continue those conversations with um, Ken Skates, the, the Economy Minister, as well. Do you think that a lot of people living in your area just didn't understand the the level of threat and the seriousness of it, because there was all this stuff, wasn't there, during the campaign where the people on the Leave side were accusing the Remain campaigners of uh, running Operation Fear. Uh, Do you think that a lot of people thought that it was all a big bluff and that there's no way that Airbus would actually pull out or any other big employers would do so and that it was all just some sort of made-up threat? Possibly, possibly. And again, it, it comes down to that. Was it just a vote for, you know, vote's sake, really? Uh, you know, we, we don't get the best turnouts in assembly elections. We don't get the best turnouts in, uh, in council elections. So was it a, a protest vote? And that could go right across the UK. I'm in no doubt that Airbus won't get up and leave tomorrow with a, a click of the fingers. And I think that, was, that message has been said by the Airbus chief executive. But there will be a strategic plan in place for for Airbus to leave if a no-deal Brexit um, occurs. And, and that's worrying because, you know, that may take five, ten years, but we should be looking 20, 25 years ahead and, and, and how, how we're going to support our future generations. And, and without the likes of Airbus and many other companies um, within the constituency of Allen and side within Wales and across the UK, um, we, we are in a serious, a serious um, issue here. If it happens, we, we, I, I simply don't know what the answer is um, and, and, and I do hope that it doesn't happen and I hope it gets sorted um, fairly soon. A lot of people have been very critical about Jeremy Corbyn's approach towards Brexit. They've said that they may, even those who have supported him up until now and who may have joined the party to vote for him as the leader, uh, find that his equivocal approach, if you like, to put it mildly, towards 
what should happen um, has manifested a, a lack of uh, decisiveness uh, at a time when leadership is really important. What's your perspective on that and what's your view of whether there should be another referendum? I hold the position which I've held for, for many months really, which is that the, the Welsh Government's on the mark, Drakeford as, as previously as, as Brexit um, Minister and now as, as, as leading the way as, as First Minister, we will work with any UK Government because we simply have to in Wales um, to, to mitigate against a no-deal Brexit. Now, obviously there was a, a call for a general election. Now, if that would have happened, that would have been a good move for the Labour Party and, and, and I think the people of the UK. But that doesn't look likely at the moment. Now, that can all change. We've seen the chaos in, in Parliament in London. But going back to, to your point on whether there should be a referendum, I'm not certain there should be exactly a referendum. However, there may be a, uh, the need for the people to choose, um, whether that be a deal uh, based on what the Prime Minister can achieve or um, a, a remain simply uh, as that and that's how I see it I don't see a, a full referendum if you like but it may be an opportunity to go back to the people because if parliament fails which clearly it has at the moment it hasn't got the support of, of parliament and parliament is failing uh, under the UK Tory government how could you go back to the general public without having a referendum I don't necessarily agree the term referendum I I, I think it would be more of a, a, a vote on the actual deal with the full facts not as what we've seen uh, some years ago um, where, you know, there was a scaremongering campaign. There was some campaigns which, you know, we go back to the bus uh, and the NHS. Uh, that was uh, not very uh, well orchestrated by the, the Leave campaign, but they got exactly what they wanted. So I think it needs to be a, a proper orchestrated vote to the people with um, the knowledge given to, to everyone in a way that people, working class people, uh, many people who wouldn't necessarily engage um, with politics understand um, what is the what is the deal um, on the table and whether that's right for them and their communities and families. So it would be a referendum by another name? Possibly, yes, but I don't agree with the, the, the terminology <laughs> referendum. OK. So you've been Assembly member for a year. How has the role that you've got now matched up to your expectations? I had no doubt that it was going to be difficult. Um, but I've got a great team around me um, and I'm really proud to, to have that team and I, and I thank them um, for all their help on a, on a, on a daily basis really. Uh, you simply couldn't do that without them. But it's important to come into the Assembly with your ideas of what you want to do. You can't do everything. Um, you may think that you can but you simply can't. So I think I try and, and base my uh, time in the Assembly and in the constituency um, on campaigns that are close, A, to, to Dad's heart, um, talking about his legacy again, B, to, to, to my heart, and C, to the, the constituents' heart as well. Um, and I'll only try to speak on things that we know about um, and that we support and need to stand up for. I won't speak on every debate, which is no benefit to my constituents, um, or simply speaking for, for speaking's sake. Um, I've seen other people that do, and I simply don't agree with that way of going forward. So maybe I'm a little bit different there, uh, but that's something um, I, I will continue to push. I think it's been working quite well um, for us um, so far, and I, I'll continue to do so. So having been a, an Assembly member for a year, can you see yourself going forward in this role for the, for the, for the long term? 
Well, that's down to the, uh, the the constituents again. But no, I, I'm committed. I came into this role to take it seriously, and I believe I have taken it seriously up to now. I will continue to do that. I I would say I, I don't want another election in the winter, but certainly I I, I plan to to continue to to work hard for as as long as the the people believe in what I'm doing and and believe I'm doing good for for the people. So uh, at the moment, I I, I plan on supporting the people of Alan Deeside and being that voice for Alan Deeside for, for the, the years to come. I have heard it said, Jack, from some people, without their being specifically critical of you, that you got elected in that by-election. First of all, you got selected in the by-election and then, then you got elected in the by-election on a wave of sympathy because of the tragic events surrounding the death of your father and that that is not the best way to start a political career and that that some people wonder they haven't said this to me so much in the last few months but at the beginning they were saying is he just going to be a sort of nine-day wonder is he just doing this as a, a way of somehow coping with the tragic events how do you separate the immediacy of coping with grief and bereavement which you have to do with the political work that you've undertaken and which you have a responsibility to fulfil. Yes, I, I can I can see your point, and I'm sure many people did say that. But what I, as I explained earlier, that wasn't the case. Um, I was going in there to, to you know carry on Dad's legacy, carry on that hard work, support the people of Allen side, but also be um, my own man. So I would question those people now and say, is that the the same opinion? Um, would you say the same thing now? I believe we've done some great work. Just last week, we were calling on um, the Minister for Health and Social Services to look at ways of bringing mental health first aid into every workplace in Wales. That's something that's not been done before. And simply, you know, we are making movements. We're, we're moving for a, a kind of politics, which, again, I've explained earlier, um, which is something that we're starting to see between opposition benches now, which is which is fantastic. So I would disagree with those people who said that. Um, I hope I've proved them wrong, um, and I'd certainly be interested to hear those opinions now. But moving on to, to how you, you separate um, that with grieving, it was clearly a tragic time for everyone, everyone in this assembly, everyone in Alan Deeside, but across Wales and the UK as well. It was an extremely difficult time, as you can imagine, for family and friends, the worst time of my life, no doubt about that, and still continues to be so. The grieving process, I'm, I'm, not, um, I'm not daft, um, the grieving process for many people is yet to begin, actually, or um, has halted. Um, so I'm in, in no, under, no illusion um, that we still need to grieve, but you know, there's no right or wrong way to grieve, but I'm taking my job as a politician and for the, representing the people of Ireland to decide seriously, with the support of a, of a great um, team behind me as well which we will, we will move on and we will get through and we will continue to, to do so for them. Now, within days of your dad dying, it was announced that there was going to be an independent QC-led inquiry into what had happened in terms of the treatment of Carl by the now former First Minister, Carwin Jones. That inquiry has not got underway. The inquest did get underway, but it's been halted on a temporary basis and uh, we're not sure when it's going to resume. This has now been going on 
from November 2017 into February 2019. What sort of impact has that had on you and your fellow family members? Had a massive impact. Um, I think losing someone, losing dad, or, or even, you know, he's my best friend really, and, and always will be, uh, is, is, is difficult. No words can describe it, and I, and I wish no one goes through that. Um, certainly in the way that, that we went through it, it's had a tremendous impact and we're no further forward. You, you're right in saying uh, at, at November 17 when it started, February 2019, simply ridiculous, um, really. Many of things I feel could have been done and dusted, but they haven't yet. So we, we, will, we will carry on and we will go through it, but there's no doubt that it's been, you know, it's, it's been a living nightmare. Um, which it continues to, to, to be. I, I was thinking about this last night during my, my limited hours of sleep. Um, at the start of 2017, I, I was, rightly, we mentioned before, um, an engineer, and I was talking to lawyers over the intellectual property of a, a specialist product that we were developing. At the end of, of 2017, I was talking to lawyers about those uh, uh, events surrounding the independent inquiry, and also the inquest as well about the, the death of Dad. Little did I think I'd be doing that um, at the age of what was then 23. Little did I think I'd still be doing it now. But we are. We are where we are. It's clearly not somewhere we'd, we'd like to be. And it, and it does have an impact. Um, for example, last night I, <laughs> I was tossing and turning for hours thinking about that, that inquest that we had um, at the beginning of last year, which has now been halted. I've mentioned many times before I'm a sufferer with mental health and I'm and I'm you know it, I think it's widely known to the public through certain events that we've done but all that doesn't help it it doesn't help and and I wouldn't like it to see anyone else go through a, a, a similar set of circumstances do you see in terms of these inquiries you know the QC led inquiry and the inquest do you see light at the end of the tunnel yet um I wouldn't say yet no, we, we don't know when the, the inquest is going to resume. We don't know when the inquiry is going to get underway. We're, we're simply waiting, and, and, and waiting can be a, a, a very hard on the mind. If you've got a date, then you can, you can work towards something and prepare yourself for something, because you know going through an inquest is difficult anyway, difficult for anyone, and you do need that time to prepare mentally uh, and physically, I think, because it, it, it does, it does um, hurt you and, and pain you in, in many different ways. But no, we, we simply are no further forward from where we were on the day we lost Dad, and we, uh, we're no further forward to, to when um, we will know more, really. And um, it's sad, it's sad, um, but we will, we will continue. Um, we, could, we will continue... Uh, with that, and and I will continue with my my team as well to 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 work hard, continuing his role and, and making it our own as well. It's one issue that I know has shocked quite a lot of people because when they became aware of it, I know that people contacted me, people that I know mentioned this to me and were shocked about it. Which is that I think people had assumed that. All of your legal costs were going to be underwritten by the Welsh Government. And yet, it turns out that while the legal costs for the inquiry may be underwritten, 
that is not the case so far as the inquest is concerned. And I believe it's the case that you have had to fund that uh, as a family yourselves out of the death in service benefit which came to your mother after your father died from the pension fund and that quite a lot of that money has now been exhausted. We're talking about tens and tens of thousands of pounds, aren't we? A lot of money. How, how does that make you feel? You're right. You're absolutely correct in, in, in what you've said there. Uh, and we've had to use that money which has been left to mum. Simply, let's put it in another way, I would happily give the, the money back if we could have Dad back. But we, we can't. We can't do that. There's no magic solution for that. But no, we, we, we are funding these legal fees for the inquest which is pretty much unheard of. Usually um, you, you, you don't um, have a, a lawyer or, or a QC with you at the inquest. It, it, it's a simple process. For us, it isn't. I think it's been well covered um, that it isn't within the, the media generally. But no, it, it, it's disappointing that we have to do this. And as you say, you know that, that money was there for, for mum to do what she's like with. A lot of that's gone now. But again, let's go back to, to, to that original. I would give him all the money and, and, and all my salary as well, um, just to, 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 and more, to, to, to have that back. But we haven't got that. So we are where we are with it. And, you know, we've got a great legal team representing us. And I, I thank them for all their, their work and support as well, because they've been a, a very kind um, team and, and, and they've benefited uh, certainly and us by looking after the welfare of the family too, which I, I do appreciate. There's another point to it as well, of course, which is that it's not exactly a level playing field because the former First Minister, Carwin Jones, is having his legal fees paid for by the Welsh Government. Do you think that's fair? I don't. I, I think, as you say, it should be a level playing field. But that was the position of the government at the time. There is a new government in place now. Whether that will be the same moving forward, I, I'm I'm unsure. But obviously, as, as far as I see fit, it should be a level playing field. We should uh, both get equal representation, if you like, and whether that means funding through that or or, or no for funding for the other, whatever that may be. However, put it this way, the family clearly didn't want to be in these circumstances, but we are, and we'll, we'll see. This, the longer it goes on, the more distress we are facing, and the, the distress itself already <laughs> is quite hard enough. Um, but we continue, um, we will continue forward, staying strong to, to, together um, with family and friends. So, no, I don't think it's fair, in short, but we, we go forward. Jack Sargent, thank you very much. Thanks for listening to my podcast, Martin Shipton Meets. We'll be back for more next week.